Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for dropping in. My name is Chris Wren. I'm the chair of the XDS Advisory Committee, and I'm the head of XDI Events for Electronic Arts. I generally like to stay in the shadows, uh, making XDS the valuable event it is for those working in the external development space. But from time to time, I do need to come up for air and support our various initiatives, like our new podcast. For those who are not aware, XDS stands for External Development Summit. It's an annual event my team and I deliver in Vancouver in the first week of September. It's the only event of its kind, uh, kind sorry, that focuses on the practice of external development by bringing together developers and service providers to facilitate B2B connections, share knowledge, foster a community, and advance the practice of external development for the games industry. Now, this initiative in particular is exciting because I've been thinking for a while now um, about the need for us to do an XDS podcast. Through the event, we generate so much fantastic content with our keynotes, our presentations, our panel discussions. We share these recordings on our YouTube channel, but many people simply don't have the time to go and listen to a 30 or 60 minute uh, video in front of their devices. So now, when you are on your way to work, vacuuming your apartment, walking your cat, this podcast hopefully provides another and perhaps better way to consume our very valuable content. I also need to acknowledge my partner in crime, Miss Kelly Brunton, who has been the only other XDS OG alongside me since uh, the very beginning. I want to say uh, 2012. Um, all of the uh, newsletters and social media that you see today is largely due to Kelly's creativity. And now she is the de facto producer of this XDS podcast. Uh, and she is currently waving from behind the glass, embarrassingly uh, very happy that she's not in my seat right now. But thank you, Kelly, for all you do. I also have to acknowledge that Kelly is the designer of the annual XDS Insights Report, which is arguably the best-looking report produced within the games industry, and I will stand behind that claim 100%. Once again, Kelly, great job on the design of that report. Now, without further ado, um, sitting with me virtually is my XEA colleague, a personal friend, guest author of this year's Insights Report, Miss Caroline Calloway. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored to be the first guest of this podcast. Um, and and I personally um, love the idea of, of walking a cat while listening. Highly suggest. Um, anyways, I am a, a senior producer on the XDev Workforce team um, at Riot, which is a central team at Riot that supports um, game teams and central tech teams with any external development they need. And I was at EA before. Um, many folks might know me from being on the XDI team um, at EA. And I think I've been in games for about 10 years, about half working on game teams, um, and then about half of that time working on external development. 
And I'm very sad to have not been able to continue working with you at EA. But really, the only reason I pulled you into this whole industry report thing, Caroline, was just to have the opportunity to collaborate with you again. And I want to thank you for allowing me to take you on this journey. And you survived. You came out the other end. Well done. Thank you. (laughs) It was was awesome. It was a really great opportunity to get to work on the report and obviously to get to work with you more and Kelly and uh, yeah, y'all been the best. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, now is probably a good time to acknowledge, you know, a very important colleague of yours who's not uh, with us in the podcast today, fellow writer Joe Kudamat for his contributions on the report. Do you want to just speak briefly, Caroline, on on how Joe stepped up and helped us out? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Joe Kudamat is um, the strategic advisor on my team at Riot. Um, he is a data analyst. You know, that's his background, and he was eager to you know see how he could get involved with XDS and the insights report and so he um i think was the first guest data analyst for that report that you all have had and uh, it was a huge uh huge huge help to have him um you know try to make sense of of the data and um and yeah he uh he i'm sure uh wishes uh he could he could speak more to that but i'll leave it at that <laughs> yeah he he was the first data analyst to get involved uh and certainly will not be the last as we really saw how valuable he was in um in in analyzing the data interpreting parsing making it available to you to then articulate it in the way that you did in the report so uh joe we know you're listening um and probably blushing through all of this so thank you for uh thank you for getting involved uh with this caroline i'll I'll put you on the spot for a second do you want to take a second for somebody who has not heard of the insights report or maybe has only done a quick blush through it, it what is the report what why do you think it brings value to those working in external development Yeah. So, I mean, this really is the annual report. Um, If you are in external development in games, um, this is the report you care about reading every year. Not to make you blush there, Chris, but um, it's, it's really the report that gives us insights into where the industry is, where it's going, what are the concerns that both developers and publishers and service providers have about the future of the industry. And it's also a really great opportunity to look at what both parties, both developers, publishers, and service providers want and need from each other. Um, and, And ultimately, I think that hopefully uh, encourages a thoughtful partnership focused approach to external development that's my hope at least absolutely i think you i think you captured it perfectly and so you know other than me you know tactfully influencing you to you know get involved this year um you know why was it important for you to become the the guest author because you know a lot of people don't really understand or appreciate quite how much work and how much time goes in behind the scenes to create this uh, this this beast. So why was it important for you to get involved? I think I might back up a little bit and talk a, a little bit about why I got involved in external development in the first place. 
So this was back in, let's see, 2017 or so. And I was working for game teams, uh, mobile game teams at EA. And um, I basically went on loan to EA's team in Helsinki, who worked on SimCity Build It, the mobile game. And uh, they were trying to build a version of SimCity Build It for the Chinese mobile market. And they were working with a developer and publisher in China to build it. And things started going pretty south with that project. It kind of lacked any sort of operational structure. There was a lot of trust uh, crumpling between the team in Helsinki and this developer in Beijing and just major cultural differences that made it um, very difficult for both parties to meet the end goal, which is, you know, creating this mobile game in China. And um, so, so, you know, both parties uh, wanted to continue working together um, but they knew that they needed some, some foundational um, components to get things, off, get development off the ground. Um, and so I came in and I was able to stand up some workflows to reduce some of the friction between the, the two parties um, and, and really try to build trust between those two teams that had very different cultural ideals and backgrounds and try to find common understanding between them. Um, and that project I saw really turn around and um, it was truly one of the most rewarding experiences, maybe the most rewarding experiences of my career so far. Um, and so basically when I came back from being on, uh, on loan for that project, I went to the director of XDI at the time, and I was like, how do I get involved? I want to be on your team. And um, I think that the thing that makes me so passionate about external development um, is is the same reason that I wanted to do this report, to, to uh, guest author this report. And that's really that, you know, the human component is at the heart of, of all of this. And um, I am really passionate about trying to highlight uh, the, the wants and needs of, of different parties who, who may have you know, the same end goal of making something great, making a fun game. Um, but maybe coming from really different perspectives and finding like ways through both data and observations and commentary to really bring two parties together. It's just a, a really amazing opportunity. And um, that was, uh, that's why when you asked me if I wanted to do uh, the, the report, um, I just jumped at the opportunity. I, I had to do it. And I'm obviously glad you did. I, I love that example you gave from the early uh, early uh, EA days of, of, of jumping in, you know, almost in a heroic way to help and support that team. And, uh, you know, I think you epitomize the, you know, the DNA of somebody who is really effective in this role in terms of somebody who has um, business acumen, 
um, has production, the production know-how, the production chops, but also also can empathize with you know people on the local game team as well as those external partners. And I think that's where you you know you really sing. And I think that's why you're so you're so excellent in this uh, in this role. When all was said and done, what surprised you about the data? I mean, I can't imagine that you completed the report and said, yeah, I kind of figured that was going to be the outcome. Um, was there anything that was like confirmed for you or anything that you found, you know, interesting or surprising? Yeah, I think the thing that both surprised me and also was confirmation a little bit between those two is the shift from what's mostly been a seller's market since early in the pandemic to a shift of more of a buyer's market. Um, in retrospect, it wasn't a huge surprise, you know, thinking about the economic uncertainty and changes in demand that that we're seeing but uh, but I, it was a bit of a light bulb moment when I started seeing signs of that across the report and ultimately included that in my summary. And what what has the, you know what have you found to be the reaction to 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 that finding or or others? Have you heard from people on your team or you know partners that you work with that agree or disagree or what you know what's the what's the what's the response been to the report you found? I think to that aspect of the report, um, there's there have been some questions, but I don't think that anyone has been, um, I don't think anyone has denied it. I have not mm -hmm. heard of anybody denying that fact. Mm -hmm. I do think that on the service provider side, it's hard to it's hard to want to go there and confirm that. Mm -hmm. So I, I understand that. And um and then also on the developer publisher side, I don't want to emphasize that too much because I, you know, I don't want this to be a, like a, oh, let's, you know, this is an opportunity to negotiate down rates. Sure, like that's sure. definitely not the, uh, that, that is not what I, I would want to stress. Um, but it, it, it just shows kind of where the tide has turned a little bit. And for our authors to come for the report uh, down the road, do you think there are topics that you find of interest that may influence future Insights reports and, and maybe that we didn't necessarily dive deep into for this latest edition? I think one that is definitely top of mind for a lot of people is generative AI. Mm -hmm. It's wild how quickly that's developed since we started putting together the report in, you know, later 2022. And I think it's still unclear all the ways that it's going to impact external development. But I do think that we are going to start seeing some of those impacts play out pretty quickly, given just the rate at which it's advancing. And, you know, total speculation, but I do think that we'll see some service providers try to move, move deeper into code bases, maybe closer to end, end stage of, uh, of product, because I think those earlier phases of development and ideation are what's, you know, likely going to be most impacted by generative AI in the, in the beginning. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, 
how that how that plays out in the next uh, few months. I think fair to say that that will be the topic du jour of uh, the next uh, Insights Report. What do you hope people take away from this report? Are there any are there any like key pieces that uh, you hope will really resonate with with teams or studios, regardless of you know what what side of the house they're on? I hope that people learn a lot from it first and foremost. Um, but I really I really go back to the reason that I wanted to guest author in the first place, which is really to to promote a thoughtful, empathetic holistic approach to external development that like really partner, I would say partner obsessed, um, you know, drive to, to be an external development. Um, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, we're like, we're all, we're all people trying to bring other people fun and joy through mm -hmm. games. And, um, and so I think that that really, shines through like if you have a great partnership and you really um foster that i think the end result that that gets put out into the world is is better for it i don't think there's a better note that we could end on caroline once again thank you so much for all of your hard work and time invested in the insights report as well as your wonderful colleague joe thank you so much we hope you guys enjoy caroline's summary presentation from our recent xts ignite event during gdc Well, uh, welcome to uh, Ignite. I know Chris already did that, but I'm going to welcome you again. Um, I'm really excited to be here to help kick things off um, with some highlights from the um, XDS uh, Insights Report for 2023. So I'll be just covering a slice of the industry observations for this year's report. Um, I'm really trying to cover things that I think give the best holistic picture of what's going on in the industry. Um, but you will see much, much more in the report when it comes out towards the end of this month, right? Targeting end of March. So I want to just start by introducing, you know, what I'm what I'm going into this with in terms of the purpose of this report. Um, so really the purpose is to advance the future of external development in games through insights that help us better understand what's happening in our industry, um, to empathize with different wants and needs, and to really encourage a thoughtful partnership-focused approach. A lot has changed in the landscape of external development over the last few years and even just in the last year. Um, so we're going to look at some of those changes and what is driving them. Then we're going to look at the impact that some of those changes have had and continue to have on external development. We'll dive into our topic du jour for this year, which is the impact that geopolitical events have had on external development. Then we're gonna take a look at where the industry is in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. We're then gonna wrap it up uh, with a look into future concerns around external development and games um, before we head into Q&A for the last 15 minutes or so. Um, so please, uh, 
find a pen, find a pencil, um, something to write down any questions that you have and we'll get to as many as we can in the last 15 minutes. Um, and just a quick housekeeping note, for simplicity's sake, um, I will be referring to us and our peers on the buyer side of things as developers throughout the presentation. Um, if you took the survey, uh, the term is developers slash publishers, but I wanna keep it short and sweet. Um, you may see developers slash publishers in some of the graphics that are, are pulled out of the report though. So what is changing in external development? The reasons that developers are leveraging external development in the first place are changing. Developers still rely on flexible skill sets, especially to build content and features. However, the need for flexible skill sets has actually been decreasing over the last few years. In contrast, niche hard to find skill sets are becoming more important. And this is likely due to developers having a hard time finding niche talent to hire internally. And so they choose to go external. Um, and those skill sets are often needed for shorter periods of time um, or for a defined scope of work anyways. Additionally, cost savings remains a reason for developers to seek external support, especially as we're in a time of economic uncertainty. Another interesting trend is that developers report a decreasing reliance on external development due to lack of available local resources. This downward trend may be evidence of developers tapping into more local talent, which is a trend that we see suggested elsewhere in the report as well. Let's take a look at what factors are most important to developers looking for a service provider. Quality continues to dominate the top spot year over year. In fact, this year, the importance of quality is ranked double that of rates, which comes in second. Rates have fluctuated up and down over the past few years, but they've remained a top three factor since the start of the pandemic in 2020. Team skill sets has also remained a top five factor year over year, showing that developers value not just individual expertise, but also the collective abilities service providers can provide. Track record, which includes previous clients and projects, has slightly decreased in importance this year, but it does remain a top five factor alongside team skill sets. Interestingly, current established relationships has been steadily increasing in importance over the past five years, and it now outranks language and communication skills, which was last year's number five factor. This suggests that having pre-existing connections and rapport with service providers is becoming more valued. There are a couple of other factors I wanted to call out as well that aren't in the top five. Um, but we're, we're worth noting. So geographic and or time zone proximity is not quite in the top five, but it's getting pretty close. Over the past five years, it's continued to become more important, which indicates that developers increasingly prefer to align external support with their locations. And finally, we noticed a significant decrease in the importance of security requirements, which is down by 50% compared to last year. 
This may suggest that developers are adjusting to the new reality of remote work and are more comfortable with the security risks that come with it. So when we look at the perspective of service providers, we can see that they're facing a pretty challenging landscape. They're facing rising costs to hire and retain quality talent. And at the same time, they're facing many clients who are working with tighter budget constraints. That said, they're looking for clients who can pay more to offset costs. While service providers still value the potential for future projects, we've continued to see that less in importance uh, over the last few years. Um, the prestige of a project is actually not quite as high priority as it used to be either. We suspect that this is because most service providers taking the survey are actually quite seasoned, multiple years of experience, and we may not need to focus as much on uh, you know, building their portfolio. And it's no surprise that service providers continue to find security in longer, larger projects that clients can provide. With a couple of exceptions, the main drivers for developers to level external development actually remain fairly steady. Developers report that demand for content is the biggest driver for external development, although it has decreased by 8% compared to last year. So it's worth keeping an eye on. Economic uncertainty is certainly weighing on developers. And despite service providers uh, favoring higher paying clients, developers are still looking to reduce costs through external development. The drive for richer, deeper games has also dropped quite a bit from last year. It may be that budgets for those kind of games have tightened, or it may be a reflection of more people getting out into the world and maybe spending less time diving deeper into games. Us developers, <laughs> We want it all. We want high quality, geographic proximity, cost savings. And if you're able to find that and you have a good, healthy partnership, I would love to hear from you. <laughs> uh, chances are developers are going to have to make some pretty tough priority calls. So I want to leave you, uh, leave this section with um, some food for thought. So if you can't have it all, what factors will your company prioritize when it comes to external development? So we've talked a good amount about the changes that are happening in external development, but what are the impacts from those changes? While developers report a decrease in some external issues, I do want to note that the addition of geopolitical instability as an option this year in the survey has made other percentages a bit lower than they would be otherwise, so keep that in mind. But while ge geopolitical instability is not a top five issue overall, we wanted to include it alongside the top five just to show how close it came. It's a major issue this year. Lack of capacity from service providers is still a top five issue, but it's fallen substantially. It was at 56% last year, 56% of developers reporting it, and this year it's at 32%. So again, percentages are a bit lower, having added geopolitical instability as an option, but that's really worth noting. While developers may not have as many issues purely finding partners with capacity, 
they may struggle to find quality talent. We can see some of these quality issues reflected in the rate of poor quality of deliverables and in iteration issues, both of which remain in the top five issues. On a positive note, we've seen a gradual easing of issues reported earlier in the pandemic, such as communication and IT pipeline related issues. Now, let's shift perspectives and take a look at what service providers reported as top issues. Survey results suggest that due to a number of factors, including market consolidation and economic instability, service providers are likely seeing at least a short-term decrease in demand for external services. It's worth noting that while we do see evidence of changes to demand, both in data and in anecdotal reports, when we ask developers directly about their demand for external development, those results actually didn't show much change from last year. That's interesting, we're seeing both. With that said, where we do see evidence of shift in demand is when we look at the higher rate of project delays and reported cancellations, as well as a rise in M&A activity by clients who may be meeting some of their external needs internally now. All of those factors have downstream impacts on demand, and we'll see this theme again as we get further into the report highlights. Similarly to developers, we've also seen a significant decrease in challenges reported earlier in the pandemic by service providers, things like communication and security issues. So what's going on with rates? I imagine that some of you have noticed rates have been increasing. Well, service providers have had to pay top dollar to hire and retain the best quality talent. And this is reflected in the rate increases that they've made to clients. 65% of service providers increased their rates in the past year. And over 50% of those increases were due to inflation. But with economic uncertainty taking hold, service providers are actually becoming more cautious with rate negotiations. While the cost of quality talent remains high, they also realize that if they keep raising rates, they may start losing developers who are more cost conscious. Service providers are likely trying to find a delicate balance between staying competitive and ensuring that they meet quality service to clients. And what about attrition? As we've discussed, the cost for service providers to retain quality talent is quite high. And unfortunately, that struggle is really only increasing. According to our survey, 29% of service providers reported increased attrition in the last year, which is a modest 6% increase from the previous year, but it's worth keeping an eye on. Attrition is yet another challenge that service providers face in addition to rising costs and keeping additional rate negotiations at bay. So another food for thought. How can you balance your needs as a developer with challenges service providers face, such as shifting project schedules and delays from clients and rising costs of quality talent? Every year, we choose a specific topic related to external development, and we ask survey questions specifically about that topic to gain insights. 
Last year, the topic was the Great Resignation, and the year before that, we focused on COVID. This year, as geopolitical events have taken center stage, we decided to focus the, on the impact of geopolitical events on external development. For example, conflict between countries has created instability and volatility around developers' work with service providers in those regions, which has impacted project engagements, partner safety, and it's even prompted some service providers to relocate. This topic also takes into account other geopolitical issues, such as economic instability, other types of political instability, and climate change. I'll only be sharing about half of the insights that will be in the um, full report, so be sure to check that out. Geopolitical events have had a significant impact on developers and their external development strategy in the past year. In fact, 88% of developers reported making changes due to geopolitical events. The biggest changes developers reported were Firstly, that geopolitical events have made developers more empathetic towards impacted partners. They understand that external factors can have a real impact on people's lives and businesses. Secondly, many developers had to shift work away from affected regions in order to maintain reliable production. And lastly, many developers have diversified their service providers to mitigate risk of having all of their eggs in one basket and to ensure that they have more options if and when other major events happen. These changes have allowed developers to remain agile and adapt to events that are really out of their control. There's a quote I wanna share from a developer that I think really showcases the kind of empathy that developers have towards impacted partners. We were working with a partner in Ukraine and will work with the same partner again in the future. Their output was astonishingly unaffected and they continue to deliver high quality assets mostly on time. The only change was that we told them we would be paying them more. Now let's look at how ser uh, service providers responded to the impact on geopolitical events of geopolitical events. Service providers matched the percentage of developers who said that they made changes to their company due to geopolitical events at 88% of service providers. Similarly to developers, service providers also said that geopolitical events have made them more empathetic towards impacted partners. Some service providers also had to shift production away from affected regions, not only to ensure reliable production, but also for the physical safety of their employees. As geopolitical events have driven up costs of doing business, many service providers have also had to increase their rates to clients. Some of the reports from service providers in Ukraine in particular were devastating to read. It's really a reminder to all of us that behind the business decisions that we make, there are often real people and communities affected by these events. And it's a reminder to try to approach our partners with empathy and consideration for these individuals and their circumstances. So my question to you for this section is, what changes hasn't your company made that could help mitigate risk of future geopolitical events? How can you use your influence to make those changes?
I'm going to give a quick update on diversity, equity, and inclusion in external development. We asked developers and service providers whether they had DEI initiatives in their workplaces. And as we look at this data, we can see that there is a pretty clear imbalance in the number of developers and service providers with DEI objectives in their workplaces. In fact, nearly twice as many developers have DEI objectives compared to service providers. So when we asked the same question two years ago, interestingly, more developers this year and fewer service providers report having DEI objectives in their workplaces. While we lack data on the location of developers, we don't gather that data in the survey, we suspect that the difference in DEI objectives between the two groups may be influenced by Western ideologies for developers, but not necessarily for service providers in other regions globally. It's important that we recognize that the group of developers and service providers who took this survey and who are part of the XCS community is inherently diverse. And as a result, certain challenges may be perceived as more or less significant or even taboo. Regardless, we really need to understand where we differ in order to better understand one another and build inclusive, healthy partnerships. How can you apply DEI objectives in partnerships with service providers who may not share the same cultural ideals? All right, let's start wrapping this up. Let's take a quick glimpse at the top concerns that developers and service providers reported about the future of external development in games. As it turns out, there's actually a really good amount of overlap. It's no surprise that we saw overwhelming concern from both developers and service providers related to economic instability. For service providers, there's concern about rising costs of talent and reduced demand from developers. And for developers, tighter budgets and rising cost of external development is top of mind. Developers and service providers also share concerns about the rate at which the industry is consolidating and is ultimately creating a shortage of reliable quality talent. It's also unsurprising that service providers expressed nervousness around the impacts of generative AI especially on art production and demand from clients. While that concern is certainly understandable, we actually did not see any clear reports um, of imminent plans from developers to cut any external development due to AI. To give some of these concerns context, I wanted to share a couple of testimonials, one from a developer and one from a service provider. From a developer, the rapid absorption of so many partners by a small handful of ever-expanding parent companies greatly concerns me. My main worry is the resulting homogenization of quality and cost, an effect I'm already seeing starting to play out. From a service provider, shifting economy and regression will inevitably impact consumers' ability to buy games and the type of games that they buy. There's a chance this will negatively influence sales projections, which in turn can move focus to minimizing costs and limiting the amount of resources spent on outsourcing. 
So we've covered a lot over the last 30 or so minutes. Um, so I took uh, some time to um, put together a recap of some of the main points. So with all of that in mind, I want to leave you with a couple of key observations. Now, take this with a grain of salt, but based on the data and anecdotal evidence we've collected, we detect a shift from a seller's market to a buyer's market. And you're probably wondering why. Well, developers' needs and purchasing behaviors are changing. In a world of ongoing market consolidation and economic instability, developers are looking for cost savings, hard-to-find talent, and flexible resourcing. For service providers to adjust to changes in demand, they're likely going to need to flex a little bit more than they have in recent years. This may be a hard reality from some service providers, especially those who, for the last few years, have gotten pretty used to, you know, only accepting multidiscipline, long-term engagements from clients who can pay top dollar. Another factor that's leading us to believe that there's a shift from a seller's market to a buyer's market is that talent scarcity, economic instability, and geopolitical events are driving developers to take a more conservative approach to external development. Service providers report a struggle to access reliable, high-quality talent, and that's driving up wages and, in turn, increasing costs to developers. At the same time, some of the largest developers have acquired talent through M&A. Others have delayed or even canceled projects due to softening sales and or economic uncertainty. The demand for external support seems to be temporarily waning, and I think service providers are picking up on that. So as we close out, my ask from everyone in this room is to approach your partnerships with intention, curiosity about their situations, and empathy. Thank you so much.